to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. So good to be in worship with you. I want you to know this past week, I had the opportunity to go to Charlotte, North Carolina for a pastor's meeting. There were pastors from all over the country there. And I got to tell you, They spent a lot of their time just complaining about their congregations and their churches. And I was just like, I got nothing to complain about. I I love our staff. I love our congregation. I love how we stay on mission. We care about what really, really matters. We're serving our community, serving our world, and worshiping God. Um, I want to thank you for just giving us so much to celebrate and be thankful for here at RPC. So I just wanted you to know that. The next two Sundays, we're going to have one worship service at 10 a.m. up in the sanctuary. It'll be a blended service. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate and cheer on our next class of elders who are going to serve us in leadership for the next three years. And then the following Sunday is Memorial Day, and we realize a lot of people are going to be traveling, so we'll just have one service at 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. Also, next Sunday, I want you to know, uh, I've chosen a text. Did you know there's a, a book of the Bible where God is not mentioned? Not once. And that's the book we're going to look at next week. So you're going to want to come back 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. Today we're going to continue our sermon series on the hidden God. We've been looking at Old Testament passages where God is in the background of the action. And today we're going to look at the Old Testament book of Ruth. Ruth is a parable. It's a a history-like narrative that's full of characters and a plot that represent people represents stories, situations in every age. And the point of it is to help us find ourselves in the story and then ask, how is God speaking to us through it? I'm going to read the opening verses from Ruth 1, verses 1 through 18. Let us open our hearts, our minds, and our ears for the word of the Lord. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Aphrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Shilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud. 
They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, even if death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments, you might be our teacher, that you might speak a word to our hearts that only you can speak. Lord, from the hidden God, hidden in this story, may we learn from Ruth, from Naomi, about what you have to say to us today. Now the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, may they be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Most of us want to be a Ruth. We want to be fearless. We want to be full of courage. When we face danger, danger we want to say, bring it on. She's a character full of tenacity, endurance, faithfulness. Most of us want to be a Ruth. I have a great game I like to play. We like to imagine with a character, a person, what would be the soundtrack? What would be the song for the soundtrack of that person's life? What song would be fitting for that time and that place and that moment? For the disciple Peter, you know, who's, who's always doing his own thing, making his own decisions, insists on going his own way. It might be Frank Sinatra's My Way. For King Solomon, who had a, a thousand wives and concubines and who wrote the most risque book in the Bible, the Song of Solomon, might be Marvin Gaye's Sexual Healing. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know I knew that song. Well, if Ruth had a song, I imagine it might be Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down. It's a song of stubborn courageousness. It knows no fear. It's full of bravery. It's, it's tenacious. It makes you feel like you could take anything on. The lyrics go, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. I remember listening to this song when I was commuting to my job from Seattle to Everett, Washington, when I was in college. I was working at the Boeing Company, and I had to be at the office at 6 a.m., which meant leaving my house at 5 a.m., I'd be driving up the I-5 highway. I'd be tired just trying to keep my eyes open. And I would pump up Johnny Cash's version of I Won't Back Down. And I would sing along with it. I won't back down. I won't back down. And then I would, I would make up some of my own lyrics. I'm going to do this. I'm going to crunch numbers for the Boeing company and the major outside production department. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to be scared of my boss, Dave Gamrath. You can go look him up on LinkedIn. 
I won't back down. Ruth won't back down. I want to be a Ruth. Ruth shows tremendous tenaciousness and courage in the face of an unknown future. Ruth's husband has died, and her mother-in-law, Naomi, is returning to her homeland, to the land of Judah. Ruth could stay in Moab. It's her home. She could stay where everything is familiar, where her friends and her family are, where she's accustomed to living. But Ruth doesn't want to stay where she's comfortable. She's determined to go with Naomi, her mother-in-law, back to Israel. Ruth won't back down. She's committed to sticking with her mother-in-law. Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, when she says she's returning to Judah and Ruth says she wants to go with Naomi, Naomi says, no, you stay here. Stay in your homeland. Stay here. And many of us think that maybe it's out of kindness and concern that Naomi says this to Ruth. Maybe. But there might be a little self-interest in Naomi's insistence that Ruth stay. See, Ruth was a Moabite. Now, what's so important about her identity as a Moabite? Well, if you read through the book of Ruth, you'll see that the narrator again and again repeats that Ruth was from Moab. Ruth was a Moabite. Because there's serious symbolic force to the word Moab in the Old Testament. It would have rung out and stood out to any ears of the Israelites who read this book. One commentator writes, Almost any reference to Moab would have carried negative moral and emotional connotations. Many of these feelings originate from Genesis 19 where Moab has incestuous beginnings. Then in the book of Numbers, as the Israelites are on their journey to the promised land and they're in the wilderness, they, twice they encounter Moabites. And there's hostility and shamefulness in both stories. Then if you read through the rest of the Old Testament, there are many stories about Moabites. Judges, 2 Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Zephaniah. There are hostility between Moabites and Israelites. Israelites don't like Moabites. They don't get drinks after dinner together. They don't sit at the same table at the cafeteria. Moabites are social outcasts from the perspective of the Israelites. And Ruth was a Moabite. She's a social outcast. And the book of Ruth continually, again and again, highlights this fact that Ruth was a Moabite. It doesn't want us to forget who Ruth is, where she came from, and at the death of her husband and sons, Naomi wants to return to her homeland and she releases her daughters-in-law to stay in Moab. Maybe because she really doesn't want Ruth to come with her. But Ruth, Ruth won't back down. You can stand her up at the gates of hell, but she won't back down. She's going with her mother-in-law no matter what. If Ruth was a Moabite, what about Naomi? Naomi was an Israelite, and living in Moab, she's a stranger in a strange land. She's been with her family, her sons, in Moab, and now that her husband and sons have died, she needs to leave this strange land of Moab and go home to her homeland in Judah. But the problem is she's a widow, and her sons are dead. And in the ancient world at the time, this would have meant she had very few options 
She's returning home, I think, because there's little else for her to do. If I had to pick a, a song for Naomi's life, maybe I would pick Tom Petty's Free Fallen. Do you know this song? Naomi is at this point in her life, she just throws up her hands and says, what else can I do? What do I have to lose? She reminds me of that scene in Cameron Crowe's movie, Jerry Maguire, where Jerry is played by Tom Cruise. And Jerry's a sports agent who's written a letter to his company. He's trying to align the company's business practices with his values. The letter gets him fired. And only one employee goes with him, a secretary. Luckily, it's Renee Zellweger. He's okay. <laughs> so Jerry heads out on the road to get new clients. And there's this great scene where he's in the car. And I, maybe I just love it because I identify with it so much. Like, you're in the car and you're trying to find the perfect song that, that expresses the emotion and what you're feeling in that moment. And you go through the dial and you just can't find it until finally you get it. And Jerry finds it. And it's Tom Petty's Free Fallen. And he begins to belt it out as only crazy Tom Cruise could. And that's the feeling I get Naomi is in. She's free fallen. And yet Ruth insists that she's going to go with her. So Naomi kind of throws up her hands and says, what do I have to lose? Ruth the Moabite and Naomi the Israelite, they return to Judah. And something very interesting happens. Through a complicated set of circumstances, Ruth meets Boaz and they end up getting married. Boaz is a wealthy Israelite man. And because of this marriage, the text in Ruth says, through Ruth and Boaz's marriage, Naomi is, and this is the language it uses, Naomi is redeemed or saved. You see, since her sons and her husband have died, there's no one to carry on her legacy, her family's name. There's no way for her to have an inherent property. There's little for her. Yet this Moabite, this Ruth, has stepped in the gap. And by taking, being taken into Boaz's house as his wife, they redeem and save Naomi and her legacy. Listen to this. The book of Ruth ends with these words. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. This Moabite women, this this ostensible social outcast has been used to redeem, to save Naomi. And Ruth's son, Obed, would go on to be the grandfather for the greatest king in Israel, King David. Naomi is redeemed by the Moabite Ruth. This woman, she didn't want to come with her. This woman who's from a people of outcasts, this woman who she didn't think could help her, the hidden God uses Ruth to save Naomi. And so every time that the Israelites one, wanted to keep God's blessing to themselves, they could read the book of Ruth as a reminder that God wants to bless us through surprising people. 
That God works outside of our tribe and our people. God wants to bless us, even redeem us through unexpected people. God graciously works through the most unlikely to bless us. You see, though, most of us want to be a Ruth, but in the end, we really are a Naomi. When I was in college, a fraternity brother named Joel invited me to go see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at the Gorge Amphitheater on a cliff overlooking the Columbia River in Washington. He asked if I wanted him to buy me a ticket. I said, no, I can get my own. Well, that was a dumb decision. Because by the time I got them, all that were left were general admission. So me and my girlfriend went, we were sitting on the grass in the very back. Our seats were like that galaxy in Star Wars. They were far, far away. (laughs) When I asked Joel where his tickets were, he said, oh, they're 13th row right in front of the stage. I said, awesome. I could have kicked myself. We were there, and as the show began, Joel texted me. He said, I've got an idea. Come to the, to the gates where you enter to go down. So we went down to the gates, and it was heavily protected by security forces. We didn't have tickets to get in. They were checking all these tickets. And then, sure enough, Joel comes out, and he's got a ticket, and he gives me his, a ticket. And then we proceed to pull off a slightly fraudulent transaction where we go in, then he gives me his ticket, I come out, I give the extra ticket to my girlfriend, and then we go in together down to the 13th row, right in front of the stage. It was so awesome. I was was rocking out. Tom and the heartbreaks were incredible. And eventually they play, I won't back down. I turned to my girlfriend, I said, this is my song. I said, look, I wouldn't back down and I got us these seats. She looks at me with kind of a puzzled look on her face. She says, Jeff, you didn't get us these seats. Joel got us these seats. (laughs) We want to be a Ruth. But in reality, we are Naomi. We think our hard work, our tenacity can save us, but really only God can save us. We think it's our faithfulness that's going to make a difference, when in actuality it's only God's faithfulness that will make a difference. We want to be a Ruth, but really we're a Naomi. And on a day like today, I think it's good to remember that each of us, we're only here because somebody loved us. Somebody loved us before we could ever reach out or love anybody else. Long before we could help ourselves, someone graciously took care of us. Long before we could love others, someone loved us. We are all here, whether if it's because our biological or our spiritual mothers, somebody took care of us. And this is the way the hidden God works in surprising and hidden ways. We may say, I won't back down. But usually the hidden God doesn't show up because of our efforts. God shows up because of God's grace, God's activity. And ultimately because of Jesus Christ, in effect, we are free falling into the hands of a gracious and loving God. And that's good news for today and every day.
Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, may we have our eyes open to your presence in our lives. Lord, no matter how hard we work and say we won't back down, we know that in the end, we are simply recipients of your goodness and your grace revealed in Jesus Christ. May we put that at the center of our lives and the center of this church's life. Let that grace flow through us. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.